0: Hello again, Fight Fans. Welcome to episode 281 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, The Ring Digital, and TheRingTV.com. You guys are watching me live right now on YouTube on Ring's YouTube channel. Make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure you click that notification bell so you never miss a live video. Remember, we go live every Monday, 5 o'clock Eastern Time. And then the digital uh, I'm sorry, the audio podcast goes out the following day on Tuesday on Montero Unboxing, my platforms around the world. So wherever you listen to audio podcasts, you can find me. Just search for Montero Unboxing, the neutral corner. Make sure that you guys subscribe, leave a rating, a review. All that good stuff helps. This show uh, we don't do ads. As you can see right now, this is pretty much the only YouTube podcast you will get that isn't flooded with a bunch of damn ads. Right. So uh, this is a word of mouth show. So I rely on you guys. The deal that we got going here, basically, if you guys get value out of this show, I ask for this simple fee. It's non-monetary. All right. I ask you to just share it with a friend. Share it every time you watch and you get something out of it, whether you are entertained, you laugh, you yell at me because you disagree, whatever it is. All right. If I did my job, share it with one friend. Do that every week. If we keep doing that, guys, this show will continue to grow and grow. Lots of stuff to discuss. OK, uh, we don't have a whole lot going on on the fight schedule, but there's a lot going on in my world. So we'll talk a little bit about that. A new issue of Ring Magazine is out. The November issue is out. So check this out, guys. Leonard Hearns 1 is on the cover. Now, this is a fight that I have talked a lot about. And it has become, in my opinion, more and more relevant. 40 years old, that fight. 40 freaking years old. And as I've talked about many times, uh, these guys were, I want to say, 23 and 25 when they fought. They weren't even in their prime yet, because I want to say your prime is your late 20s, maybe. Um, so these guys weren't even yet in their they were in their physical prime as athletes, but their emotional maturity, their mental maturity as fighters, not even there yet, man. That the fact that these two guys got in the ring and did what they did. And of course, there was two more. Right. And there were many great fighters in that era. But it wasn't just Leonard Hearns. Of course, it was Hagler, it was Duran. Uh, those guys all got in the ring and challenged each other so much. And you look at what's going on in the current scene in boxing 2021. It's just so damn disappointing. So we'll talk about some of that because there is a complete circus freak show this weekend. I didn't watch it, but I've seen the highlights. I've seen what happened. We'll talk about it a little bit. Phone lines are open if you guys want to chat. Biggest news, honestly, this week, and I'm not... Yeah, I mean, it's just the truth. The biggest news this week is I'm fighting. Now, we would have some fights this weekend, but COVID killed them, right? So so Tom Loeffler is putting on a card in California this Thursday. But on the East Coast, the biggest card, the biggest fight, I'm sorry, in the eastern coast of the United States is my card that I'm fighting on, which is pretty damn cool. Before I get into any of that, I want to show you guys MOBTs are here, all right? So I'm going to show you guys a couple different colors, a couple different designs. Um, boom. Here's the gray. I like this gray, man. I like this gray. It's a slate gray. It's got a little hint of blue in there. I like the gray. So there's that. I'm going to show you guys the military green. I like this a lot, too. Oh, there we go. Pretty damn Cool. Digging all the colors this time, man. We decided to go with a bunch of different colors. We got the uh, the light blue. We are almost sold out of these. These are selling out like crazy, this blue color. Everyone loves this one. And then we got the red. I like the red, man. I think this is like a cool understated red. And what's cool about this red is it goes with several different color pants. You could do like a light blue jean. You could do black jeans. You could do white jeans. You could even do khakis with this red. It kind of goes with everything and then of course we got the classic white tee with the three color uh well the two color logo but it makes for a three color shirt right three color logo because you got the black white and red there Montero unboxing boom and then the classic black tee which I'm actually wearing right now but uh there it is with uh the red MOB so guys if you're interested in getting a tee. We sell them $25 for one, two for 40. Um, I actually spent a little more money this time on the the fabric. Okay. I want to get a nicer quality tee. This is a a poly cotton blend. So you get a little bit of the, the poly gives you a little bit of the uh, wicking, right? It's a little lighter, but then there's still a little bit of cotton in there for the softness and the comfort. So like you can, I've been wearing these outside, I've been working out in them. Just testing them out for the past couple of weeks. I've had them for a couple of weeks now. Uh, went to the beach a week ago, saw my family, wore a couple of these to the beach and was walking around, felt real good, felt real light. So I spent a little more ca- <coughs> cash on these shirts, um, but I think it's worth it. And, and we got all the different colors. So 25, two for 40. Here's what I'm gonna do uh, right here on the show. Let me uh, see if this works. Okay, in the upper... Left-hand corner of the screen. I'm trying to because I'm it's reverse what I'm looking at here. Uh, upper left-hand corner of the screen, you will see a Venmo link. Or I, I I don't know what you call it, a Venmo square. You guys can hold your phone over that, and you can scan it, and boom, you'll have our Venmo. Okay, you can Venmo us. Like I said, 25 for one, 40 for two. Let us know your size, sizes, color, colors that you want. Your address. We'll get it out to you. We've already sent shirts all over the damn world. We send them all over the place. So um, we can send, we could ship anywhere. All right. Um, we've already sent to several different continents. So we've only had these for, like I said, about a week and a half, actually. So super excited that we got these in. It's been a long, long time. And um, I've been waiting to get these new shirts in forever. But I had to get a new t-shirt connect here in Atlanta, my t-shirt connect out in LA. That wouldn't work it'd be too far to ship, okay? So, news and notes. Uh, yeah, I wanna update you guys. New Issue of Ring Magazine is out, so make sure you check that out. MOBT's are out, make sure you check those out. And um, you guys, just scan that Venmo at the top. Now, if you don't have Venmo or you're not comfortable doing Venmo, just email me, unboxing at Gmail. We'll figure something else out, okay? There's PayPal and other stuff. The thing with PayPal is they take a piece of it, right? I don't like that in fact uh, you know i have a um a patreon and i'm I'm working on cutting that i'm actually designing a website and i'm going to have all this stuff on my site so you guys can go there from now on because i don't like that some of these corporate people take a little bit of the of the money that's supposed to be going to tip the show so anyway all right um let's get to the comments here trey Anner on the chat says back in full effect see you thursday hell yeah trey i look forward to seeing you ringside my man That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Sam A in the chat says, do you have a 3X V-neck? We are actually, we had, uh, I'm I'm surprised, dude. We ordered a handful of 3Xs and they sold out. They're gone. (laughs) So I have to order more. In fact, I I emailed uh, my t-shirt guy this morning, like uh, we need 3Xs. So I'm working on that. As far as the V-neck, I ordered a few V-necks for me specifically because I like V-necks. All of these are regular cut. They're uh which they're still great. I mean, uh, they're awesome. If you guys really, really want a V-neck, maybe I can work that out, but I don't have any in stock. I ordered a handful just for me because I like V-necks. Commentator in the chat, I ordered two shirts. Yes, you did, sir. Thank you very, very much. We got those out to you this weekend. So you should be getting them this week. Chris Berger says, new t-shirt looks awesome, Mike. Thank you, my man. I know you got one of the old school ones with my face in it. Chris also says I like the white ones. Yeah, the white the white one's clean. J&M says the same thing. The white one's clean, and it's got, like like I said, three colors in the logo, which is kind of cool. So I, I wanted to, like, switch it up this time and do different colors, different combinations with the logo and stuff. So I just had a little more fun with it because all we did before was black ones with the same logo, and I had my face in it. And I took my face out of the logo this time, so it's a little more... I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Uh I, I guess a little cleaner, you know. Um, and we'll try this out and see if you guys like it. Uh say asks, what ever happened to the Undisputed Boxing Channel? It was a good channel with a great panel of hosts. I agree, man. Um, but they um the the I guess the executives there, the the money people did not want to uh keep investing money and people got tired of getting screwed over with payment. I know they screwed me over for a while with money. And um, there was a while where you guys, like almost a year where you'll notice I didn't do any work with them because they owed me money and didn't pay me. And that happened to a few people. So we got to a point where it's like, look, are, are you invested in this or not? And the money guy who had plenty of it, uh, his heart just wasn't in it. There was, there was two partners to Undisputed Champion Network and Damon Bingham, was one of them. He was one of the founders. His father was Muhammad Ali's personal photographer, followed him everywhere he went, all around the world. So Damon Bingham grew up as a little boy hanging out with Muhammad Ali and the whole crew. So he had this wealth of boxing knowledge and experience and just a super awesome guy. And he passed away. After he passed away, Undisputed uh, Champion Network just kind of fell apart. UCN Live just kind of fell apart. He was the glue that held it all together. Um, so, and the other partner just, just wasn't as interested and passionate about it as Damon was. So once he passed, that was kind of the beginning of the end. Chris says, T, my M-O-B-T my got to Scotland three years ago, no problem. Has it been three years already, man? That is crazy, dude. Wow. That's crazy, man. Time flies, brother. J and M says, uh, I think you're talking about 10 count. He says it was my favorite show. Honestly, Mike, you're probably referring to UCN live 10 count. That was the show. I, that show great experience for me, man, because, um, you know, there was a lot of times where I hosted those, those shows. And then sometimes I was on as just a panelist and that was great experience for me hosting wise, you know, Steve, Steve Kim, uh, kind of just said, Hey, Mike, There was one day where we were shooting. We'd shoot a bunch of episodes together, and he was like, hey, um, why don't you host a few? And I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) And I just kind of winged it and um, learned on the job doing that. And it helped so much. It helped me do better at so many other things. So um, Steve was an instrumental part in Undisputed Champion Network and launching all that, too. So, um, you know, just wonderful experience for me. Really, really good experience. And it's, it's experience that I take with me now today, doing commentary, hosting this show, hosting other things. So it, it really does. Um, every little thing that you do kind of goes into what I call your stew, right? Your your soup, where you're throwing in different ingredients and, and every little experience you have becomes part of that. You know, It becomes your own personal, unique recipe, uh, if you will. And Undisputed Champion Network was a big, big part of mine. Cowster says uh, you, Steve and Doug were great together. I hear that all the time. Uh, everyone says that their favorite combination on the 10 count was Steve, Doug and myself. Um, and I learned so much doing those shows with those guys. I mean, they had done a bunch of stuff like that already. For me, I was still kind of new at doing that sort of thing, I, you know, with that level of, of panelists. Uh, it was just awesome, awesome experience, man. Chris says it was awesome. Maybe you want to smoke one of them cigars. Yeah. You know, people ask us that too. Cause we, we shot those in this cigar shop in Santa Monica, which was a beautiful location. It was always right there at the beach. It was a pain in the ass getting down there. Cause I was coming from downtown LA all the way out to the beach. But usually after shooting, we were right there at the beach, man. We would go grab lunch or something. We'd hang out at the beach a little bit, unless we had to go back to the city to work. But, uh, Everyone's always like, did you smoke any of them cigars? It's like, nah, was, they were just props. We never got to smoke any of them. Uh, but yes, uh, Chris is asking, are any videos up? I believe the channel's still up and, and all the videos are up. So you guys can find those. And I have talked to Steve and Doug before about getting uh, that show and maybe being able to pull the 10 count show onto Ring TV or something. But I think the 10 count, that name is, is, is copyrighted. And I think that that investor I was referring to before still owns that. So I don't know if all that's been worked out yet, but once I'm done with my fighting days and all this, and I have a little more time to spend on all that, uh, maybe it's something I'll try to hunt down and find out for you guys. All right, let's get into news and notes. All right. So, uh, we were off last week, right? Because it was a holiday. Uh here in America and I was visiting with family, taking a little bit of a breather. So let's catch up on a couple weeks of news and notes. So um one thing again, I'm gonna be a little selfish on this episode, talk about myself a little bit. Uh I have a fight this Thursday. So we'll talk about that in the in the preview. Okay. But I just want to let you guys know. Um, I'll give you guys some links and stuff like that to where if you want to watch me fight live, there is a pay-per-view, there is a live stream, it's $15 American. Uh the the proceeds from this event are going to charity. Okay. It's it's not for profit. So yes, there is a cost associated, but it's going to a good cause. So we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, Figueroa and Fulton. We were supposed to be previewing that in the show. That was a fight I was really looking forward to. I thought that that was going to be a fantastic fight. I, I favor Fulton whenever it does happen, especially now. But uh, I do think it's going to be a good fight, an interesting style matchup, and an important fight for that division. But Brandon Figueroa has apparently tested positive for COVID. So the fight with <clears throat> Stephen Fulton has been pushed back to, I'm hearing October, I'm hearing late October. I don't know if that's soon enough, man. I, I just don't know. A lot of these, it's interesting, these COVID postponements, they put it out like six weeks. And I'm like, eh, everyone, every the experts are telling us it takes like months To get over this thing you know it could take six months for some people you're pushing this out like four weeks five weeks i don't know about that i don't know if it's happening in october we'll find out also uh juan manuel lopez remember him juanma lopez arrested in puerto rico for domestic violence so that is uh look man we had jacob rodriguez here on the show right he reported uh he helped us out with uh the the felix rodeo situation and he was talking about, uh, I remember when he was on the show earlier this year, when that whole thing was going on, There is an issue in Puerto Rico with violence against women, uh, domestic violence, but specifically against women. And here it is again, another boxer that apparently has a history of this and got arrested. So we will follow this story, but man, it seems like there's just, there's an issue with this. And I hope that awareness gets raised and, and, and people can do better. Uh, enact some sort of action to help things out down there, man. Because this isn't cool. Uh, I, I grew up being taught you never lay your hands on a woman, even if she's being a psychotic psychopath bitch. You don't lay your hands on a woman. Um, and I've had women pull some shit, you know, be crazy, and and you just you got to suck it up, guys. Now, if a woman's coming at you with a knife or something or a gun, okay, uh, you know. So there are exceptions, but uh, there's just of the time, there is no justification for putting your hands on a woman. Bottom line, all right? Um, That's all I got really for news and notes, guys. There's been a lot of postponements. Um, And so, okay, I should add uh, Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter. Apparently, a deal is close. There's a lot of people in the industry that think it will happen. There's still a lot of people who are skeptical. But um, we'll see. I really hope it happens in some sense. If that fight happens in the fourth quarter of this year, which is possible, I'm going 55-45, it's actually going to happen, okay? I I, I still have faith, call me crazy, but it will kind of save the schedule because right now, man, the schedule is really bleak, guys. Every single ounce of buzz for the third fight between Fury and Wilder is gone. Every now and then, Fury will drop a line or something. Wilder would drop a video of him punching the ocean water. It Bizarre stuff that he posts. Both of them post bizarre stuff, let's be honest. Uh, and like they, they used to get thousands and thousands of hits, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands. These clips that they'd post and stuff would go viral, right? There'd be all sorts of articles written about them and stuff. And it's just not the same anymore. All that buzz is gone. Uh, Tiafima Lopez is going to fight George Kambosos on a Monday, which makes no damn sense. It was a Tuesday. Now it's a Monday. He's going to fight in a small theater at MSG. That fight, in my opinion, if they weren't scared about going overseas and felt fully confident, go over to Australia and pack a freaking stadium over there and do a big event like Pacquiao Horn was. Uh, and I know Pacquiao got robbed on that night, but Tiafima Lopez. I think he's going to be more equipped in, in, in with his fists than Pacquiao was on that night. It's obvious Pacquiao took Horn lightly and he was, you know, faded past his best. Tiafil was in his prime, right? I, I just think that'd be a bigger, more fun event if it happened over in Australia. It's happening in a tiny little theater here in New York on a Monday night. It's going up against Monday Night Football. I want to say it was something like 26 million, 28 million. Watched the Monday Night Football premiere this week. Now, that's Tom Brady. Okay. So, the rate, you know, you're not going to do Tom Brady ratings every week, but you're still going up against at least 10, 15 million viewers. I, th- that's just, I, I don't understand, guys. I don't understand what we're doing here. Uh, Koster asked, Is it true Tio is scared of flying? That's what I've heard. That's what I heard. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Let's talk about the review um we've got uh two weeks of stuff to catch up on okay so real real quick you go back to wednesday september 1st in japan i was actually doing a live press conference for my fight that same day uh, which was an interesting experience being on the other side of that uh in japan kazuto yoka scored a unanimous decision win over francisco rodriguez jr third defense of his wbo 115 pound title that weekend, Saturday, September 4th, in the UK, Mauricio Lara and Josh Warrington fought to a technical draw when I think it was in the second round, a headbutt caused a pretty bad cut over Lara's left eye. This, of course, was a, on zone, a zone main event. It was disappointing, man, because I was looking forward to that rematch. The question has been a lot of people on Twitter have been saying, oh, Warrington meant to headbutt him. I don't know. Who the hell knows? I, I'm not... Either one of their heads, neither are any of you guys, but that is what happened. Uh, Do we need to see a third fight at this point? I don't know. I really don't know what to do, and I don't know what both fighters are going to do. Maybe they can have a third fight to settle the score. How long will it take to get there? How long is it going to take Laura to heal? All that remains to be seen. Uh, Katie Taylor scored a unanimous decision win over Jennifer Hahn to defend her undisputed lightweight championship. Connor Ben with a unanimous decision win over Adrian Granados. I like that win for Connor Ben. And, and also, Taylor's win was legitimate. Jennifer Hahn is a good fighter. And of course, Adrian Granados is a, a grizzled veteran, but then there were some tough guys. So for Connor Ben to uh, beat him now, Connor Ben's legit, man. He's proven himself. Uh, he's, he's definitely stepped up a level or so and proven himself. He's a guy to keep an eye on for sure. Sunday, September 5th, in Minneapolis, Jesus Alejandro Ramos, uh, 17-0 out of Arizona, scored a unanimous decision win over Brian Mendoza on uh, Fox. And then last weekend, let's talk about these fights. Friday, September 10th, they had a few different f- uh, fight cards. Uh, over in Austria, on Zone. Philip Hergovic scored a third-round stoppage over Marco Radonjic. And uh, I covered this fight for ringtv.com. I posted my recap up there. I want to say, if memory serves me correct, there were five knockdowns in this fight. All of them were ugly. They were kind of punches to the back of the head and stuff like that. Uh, Radonjic, I think, came in 22-0 with 22 knockouts, had fought absolutely nobody. And some people will think it's sacrilegious what I'm about to say, but it's true. There are guys on his resume that I would beat. I feel confident that I could beat some of the fighters he has fought. Uh, That shouldn't be the case. A boxing writer should not be able to beat some of the opponents of a pro boxer headlining a show on zone So uh, this record, this 22-0 with 22 knockouts padded record, was exposed instantly when he got in the ring against Hergovich. Hergovich is a big, strong guy. He does show that he thinks in the ring and has some craft. I saw him make a couple little adjustments in the first round, and he was able to drop Rodonjic in the second four times and then again in the fifth fight could have been stopped at any point in the second round it really had no business going into the third and for what it's worth Radonjić was coming out for the fourth round his corner was bringing him out it was the ref who finally said you know what screw this this fight's over so shame on his corner for letting him continue to go out uh, and good on the ref for stopping it but man that record got exposed instantly uh is a guy that we just got to see what happens when he gets in there with somebody who can actually move, actually box, and actually punch back. Because, uh, I, you know, he's, he's still very stiff to me. He looks a little stiff and robotic. And I get it. So, so does Joe Joyce, right? But Joe Joyce has a fluidity about him, as I've talked about before, like a natural comfort and fluidity. And his punches uh, do come from different angles, but they're very thudding. And I just want to see how Hergovich would look. Uh, against a guy, you know, once he steps up and fights a guy, even at the level of, let's say, a Danny Dubois, how he would look against that sort of fighter. Also, another heavyweight prospect out of France, Tony Yoka, with a TKO7 win over Peter Malas. Uh, that was picked up by ESPN+. Plus. Tony Yoka, another guy, heavyweight prospect, will continue watching him develop. I just don't know if he's going to win a title one day. I don't know if he's on that level. I don't know if Filip Hergovic is on that level either. We'll continue to watch and see how they develop. Also, Sam Eggington, split decision win over Bilal Kitu, Chiquitu in the UK. In uh, Arizona, let's talk about this one. Casino del Sol in Tucson, Arizona, top rank on ESPN+. Uh, in the undercard, Luis Alberto Lopez from Mexico, upset special win over the undefeated Gabriel Flores Jr. Friend of the show. He's been on the show before, right? Uh, Lopez, you guys might remember him. He fought Ruben Villa in 2019, two years ago, May of 2019 was competitive, but clearly lost. It was like an eight rounds to four, maybe even nine rounds to three kind of fight that he lost to Ruben Villa. However, I think he learned in that fight. I think he learned a lot because he looked vastly improved against Flores and Flores is Probably the same height and length as Via, right around that, but he definitely hits harder. Definitely hits harder, and Lopez won every second of this fight. It was after a, after a few rounds, it wasn't remotely competitive. So I, first of all, Gabriel Flores Junior. Let's talk about Senior and his and his. You know, let's talk about Junior's corner for a second. After five, six, seven rounds, what the hell were they thinking? They let their kid take a 10-round ass-whooping that could have been stopped at any point in the second half of the fight. Nobody would have complained. But now, having taken a – this guys, this was a 100-to-90 type of fight. I think the scores were like 99-91, something like that. But it was basically a shutout. And it was so one-sided. Flores took a beating, just an absolute beating. This was reminiscent of Joe Calzaghe, Jeff Lacey. It was that kind of just ass whooping. Jeff Lacey was never the same after that fight. And part of me just wonders, is Gabriel Flores Jr. ever going to be the same? Because he looked like a blue chip prospect a top rank was 110% invested in. I mean, they put the bank behind this kid. And he had a hell of a team around him. Super talented and everything else. What the hell happened? Did anybody see this coming? Anybody. Uh, maybe some of you out there picked Lopez to win, but did any of you think it was going to be a 10-round-to-zero shutout? That, that just completely took me by surprise, I have to admit. So I don't know where Flores Jr. goes from here, but that's a tough loss to recover from. Guys, sometimes it is better, and I say this all the time, it's better to get knocked out in the third round or something. It's better to get just completely iced in the first round of a fight off a one-punch you just don't see then get beat down for 10 rounds. It's those long, just just poundings of a fight, You know, whether it's 8, 10, 12 rounds, that change fighters' careers. They really, really do, especially a guy this young, man. That's going to be a tough one to recover from or to find out what Gabriel Flores Jr. is made of. But uh, props to Lopez for coming in and the fighter out of Mexico for doing his thing and showing some real improvement from that Villa fight. When that fight with Ruben Villa you know, I, I thought this was going to be a win for Flores based on that and some other things I've seen. But, ooh, I mean, I knew it was going to be competitive, but nothing like this. Also on this card, uh, Junto Nakatani, 22-0, 17 knockouts, improves uh, to 22-0, still undefeated. TKO4 win over Angel uh, Angele Costa. First defense of his WBO flyweight title. So uh, we there's a couple Nakatani's, right? To my knowledge, they're not related. Correct me if I'm wrong, they're not related. But um, Junto Nakatani is one to watch. This was an entertaining, fun fight. I wanna see more of him for sure. Main event, let's talk about this one. Oscar Valdez, unanimous decision win over Robson Kansaysao. So I've heard Kansaysao, I've heard Kansakau. I heard it pronounced a couple different ways. This is turning into the new Regondo, Regondo, Rigondeo. How the hell do you pronounce it? I don't freaking know. Let's go with Conse Sal. 115-112 twice, which I think were decent scores. And then one judge had a 117-110. I don't know about that. I just don't know. Uh, ref took one point in the ninth round for a thing behind the head. Just about everyone agrees that that point deduction was absolute bollocks, as they say over in the UK. Absolute bullshit. There was just no need for it. Um, the, the, the debate here is who won this fight. Now, I have to be honest. I didn't watch the whole fight. This was one where I felt Oscar Valdez shouldn't even be in the ring. He failed a drug test. Fight shouldn't have happened. But because there is a loophole, the parties involved, top rank, ESPN, the WBC, uh, who else? Uh, Oscar Valdez's team, obviously. They used the loophole to their advantage, and the loophole was that VADA, World Anti-Doping, and I'm not going to go into the weeds and all this stuff, guys, but it really didn't matter what VADA. People, when they think of VADA, they think VADA, Voluntary Anti-Doping, that they um, adjudicate results. There's another. There's that word I love, adjudicate. They don't. They simply are brought in and hired to perform testing, and they report the results. What happens after that is not up to them. So VADA out of the picture once they report the results. So this really has nothing to do with VADA here, okay? Because I saw a lot of reporting on this, especially on Twitter, uh, by so-called experts that really didn't, obviously didn't know what they were talking about. World anti-doping sets the protocol, and they stupidly have an in-competition and out-of-competition prohibited list. Uh, For some sports, like if you're skiing or something, okay, that makes sense. But in boxing, as far as I'm concerned, there should be no out-of-competition list because if a fighter's using these prohibited substances for 10 weeks during training camp and then they half-life it out of their system the week of the fight, it's still a performance enhancer, right? Uh, They're getting the benefit of this drug throughout all their training camp while their opponent's killing themselves naturally. So it doesn't really matter if it's in your system on Fight Night or not. Um boxing's a different sport. So I think WADA needs to update some of their standards. Anyway, WBC uh, Reynoso Valdez top rank, they look at this and they say, well, WADA doesn't isn't an authority here. They they don't hand down punishments or whatever. It's up to the BC and look at what WADA says. This is a out of competition timing. Check this, guys. In competition means 24 hours up until your event, right? So, literally, you can use a performance enhancing drug on a Thursday, according to WADA. You can use something that's illegal Thursday. If it's out of your system by Friday night and your fight is Saturday night, cool. How how stupid is that? Again, this isn't skiing, this isn't basketball, this is boxing. People die. We've already had a couple of young people die this year. OK, so it doesn't make any sense. But do I blame Top Rank or Valdez's team or ESPN for exposing the loophole and using it to their advantage? No, I don't blame them one bit. I just I don't blame them. Um, they're in business and they found a loophole and they used it to their advantage. That's like, as I talked about on my show on my channel Friday, millionaires and billionaires using you know paying accountants to find loopholes in the tax code to get out of paying taxes. I don't blame them. I blame the people that create the system and run the systems and run the institutions. Those are the people I blame. So I'm not even mad at Oscar Valdez. He cheated. Yeah, I think he cheated. Um but uh it, his team saw this loophole and went with it. So I don't blame them. So anyway, I only watched the last few rounds of this fight. Based on what I saw in the last few rounds, Valdez won those rounds. Now, the ESPN commentary crew were adamant that the first four or five rounds, Kansai Kao, Kansai Cao, uh, won those rounds using his jab, punching well, um, using his distance and range very, very well. And then I think in the sixth round, everyone says that's when Valdez took over. There was one judge that gave Kansai Sao the first five rounds and Valdez the last seven rounds. And that's the way a lot of people that I talked to who were there described the fight. So would I call this a robbery? Because a lot of people thought the Brazilian did enough. I wouldn't call it a robbery. It was clearly competitive based on what I saw. Some people will say, well, look at Valdez's face. Okay, well, here's the thing about that. If you have any experience fighting, any experience fighting, okay, you could go in in the first round and get a headbutt. You could catch a thumb in the eye. You can get an elbow, a forearm, that busts up your cheek, something and that starts swelling and expanding throughout an entire fight. So, sometimes bruising and scarring on a fighter's face does expose or or uh it is indicative of the action that took place in the fight, but a lot of times it's not. A lot of times again, genetic look Oscar Valdez has fair skin, he's a fair-skinned guy, uh from my experience really fair skin tends to swell up and bruise up a lot faster than dark skin. Constance saw I noticed in the ring didn't look busted up, but a few minutes later in the post-fight interview and he was in the dressing room, I saw some markings under his eye and on his cheek and he was starting to puff up a bit. Wouldn't have been surprised if an hour after the fight, his face was a little more swollen and busted up than it was during the fight because the punishment he took was toward the end of the fight. The punishment Valdez took was toward the beginning of the fight. Does that make sense, guys? So you don't score fights solely based on how a guy's face looks. You don't score fights solely based upon punch numbers. Um, yeah, Sports Talk with Troy says uh, some boxers just bruise. Yeah, some do. Bobby in the chat says Robson becoming robbed, R- robbed son. Okay, okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> Robson becoming Robson. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people feel that um, that you know he he, uh, he was robbed. I, I I don't like that word though. I don't like the word robbed because to me this was a close competitive fight. And look, man. When you're not, like, I hate that it's like this, guys, but it is like this. It's just the way the world works, okay? If you are the the opponent and you're coming in and you're fighting a guy that just literally was allowed to fight coming off a failed drug test, that's how much that guy is the A-side to your B-side. Dude, you can't lay off the gas pedal in the championship rounds. The rounds I saw, Constance out was laying off and backing up. It's like, dude, what are you doing? This is when you need to step on it. If you're the fresher guy, put it on this dude and, and prove it and show everybody. And he just laid off and it's like, what, what are you doing? And it, it felt like I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody. And you know, I don't want you guys to take, put too much into this, but it felt like a guy that was telling himself in his corner was telling themselves if we go the distance, we could tell everybody we won. We did enough. Look at our face. Look at his. And so we laid off the gas pedal a little bit and was afraid to kind of put it all on the line and risk getting hurt. That's kind of just how it looked. And I've seen that sort of thing. We've all seen that sort of thing. So I don't know, man. I, I can't call the robbery, but I will say this. The damn fight shouldn't have happened. Bottom freaking line shouldn't have happened. So that's why I wasn't interested in really watching that main event. I got to say. All right, uh, speaking of fights that shouldn't have happened, uh, Saturday, September 11th in Miami, I think uh, a suburb of Miami in Florida, uh, it was the Triller fight night and the main event, Evander Holyfield versus Vitor Belfort. I believe Vitor Belfort is a couple years older than me, like 44, 45, and Evander Holyfield's going on 59. You guys saw the videos on Twitter Of him hitting mitts in shadow boxing. You saw how he looked. This wasn't Mike Tyson or Roy Jones, who, by the way, made a gentleman's agreement to not go nuts. They were they were just sparring in their fight. Okay. That wasn't a real fight. Everyone kind of knew that going in and didn't really care. But in this fight, obviously Vitor Belfort was coming for blood. And he was supposed to fight Oscar De La Hoya, who's much more with it than Evander. But man, you're talking about what a almost 15-year age difference. And it's one thing if a 35-year-old guy is fighting a 20-year-old guy. But man, when you got a guy who's going out in 60, fighting a guy who's in his mid-40s, uh, you're starting to get into dangerous territory. You really, really are. Now, both of these guys have a history of using performance-enhancing drugs. But Belfort um, has, a, has a really, really big history of it. Okay, he's, he's known. He's a guy that we know. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. He's a doper. Okay. And he's not a clean fighter. Now, Holyfield for a guy who's going on 60, you look at his body, pretty suspect. However, he looks much more shrunken down than where he looked, you know, 20 years ago. So uh, I don't know what's going on there. There was definitely no Vada for this, but Holyfield got humiliated and embarrassed and props to the ref for stopping this in the first round. So. I have noticed, and there was an undercar with a bunch of other fights that really don't matter. Uh, Who was it? Um, Anderson Silva knocked out uh, Tito Ortiz. And what I noticed there is a bunch of people of a certain political persuasion were happy with that. And it became this political thing because Donald Trump was hosting it. uh, And it just just appealed to the lowest common denominator in every single possible way. Uh, Just did not interest me. This was an absolute freak show. Now, let me say this. I have noticed a bunch of moral authorities on Twitter uh, starting Saturday night, going into today, people saying shame on Triller, shame on the Florida Commission. And I I tweeted shame on the Florida Commission myself. The difference between me and some of these other folks is I didn't cover the event. I didn't preview it last week on my show. Go back and listen. Okay. Or I'm sorry, two weeks ago. I didn't preview it on my show. I didn't preview it on Twitter or any of my social media. I didn't cover the event. I'm talking about it now after the fact to critique it, but I did not promote this event in any freaking way. That was my way of showing, I don't wanna say protest, but my way of showing that um, this thing shouldn't be happening. And I'm not gonna use my platform, my tiny little platform to promote this thing in any way, shape or form, right? I saw plenty of media people traveling down to Florida to cover the event. A lot of the same people that bash Florida, Florida's governor and all the mass stuff or anti-max or anti-vax stuff had no problem traveling down there to make some money. A lot of the people that um, now are bashing the main event fight and the commissioner and the executives at Triller had no problem going down there, covering the event and making their money or doing their YouTube videos their their interviews, their articles, and making a few bucks off the event. They had no problem doing that and getting traffic on their Twitter pages, their IG page, whatever it is. Those are the people I'm calling out right now because you had no problem covering this thing and promoting it. And after the fact, you want to play the moral authority. Stop with that bullshit. You're either all in on the freak show or you're not. Where I stand on this is – Um, I'm not being judgmental. If you want to watch this. Okay. I understand that there is a market for this sort of thing. There is. Um, and and I say this because I covered one of these events here in Atlanta when Jake Paul fought Ben Askren, who I would beat obviously in a boxing match. Um, most of the guys on the amateur show I'm going to fight on Thursday would beat Ben Askren in a boxing match. I'm not saying that to disrespect the guy. It's just the truth. And I knew that going in, actually, I didn't know it was quite that bad, but I, I told myself, let me cover one of these events. It's right here in town. It's down the street. I have no excuse not to let me go down there, cover the event. It's not like I went and did all the fight week activities and all that kind of stuff. I just went to the, to the show that night, covered it for RingTV.com. And, um, that way I'm not talking out of my ass if I have some criticisms. So what I learned that night in talking to people who were there and enjoying the event and everything is that there is a market for this and these trailer shows are not going away. They're going to continue. There's a market for it and people will continue to buy this stuff, but you don't have to number one. Okay. And number two, if you're media, you don't have to cover it. If this, if you are uncomfortable seeing a 50, almost 59 year old visibly, obviously compromised Evander Holyfield get destroyed by a guy that couldn't even be his sparring partner. I mean, Evander Holyfield, when he was 15 would knock out a prime version of Vitor Belfort in any sort of match, kickboxing box. As long as they're on their feet, he would destroy the guy, a 13 year old Evander Holyfield. Okay. And the fact that Holyfield got hurt by this guy, it just, it just shows you the level of deterioration there. So, if you're not cool with that, you don't have to cover it. It doesn't mean you're a bad journalist. It doesn't mean you're a, a bad member of the boxing media. Now, does it mean you're going to miss out on an opportunity to make some money? Yeah, because there's a line of kids that are going to be willing to go down there. And you got to see the names and faces. But you don't have to cover the show. And if you're a fan, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to watch. Uh, but if you guys do want to watch and you are interested and you want to go in just saying, you know what? I enjoy the freak show. I enjoy the circus. I want to watch this shit and just have a good time. I get it. Have fun. Cool. Like I'm not judging you. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is you're into, I'm not judging that. Enjoy the show. It's just not my cup of tea. It's not, it's not my thing. Now, Triller does have some interesting events. I mean, when when Tiafima Lopez fights George Cambosis, that's a fight I'm interested in. I'll check that out. But when they do this sort of thing, Evander Holyfield versus Vitor Belfort, I'm just not interested in that. I'm just not going to watch. I'm, I'm not going to preview it on my show. We're not going to talk about it, you know. So you can you can pick and choose. You have the right to do that. You know what I'm saying? The power is in your hands. The power is in our collective hands as fans of this sport. That's the truth, guys. All right. Rant over. Now let's get into this preview, all right? And then we'll see who's on the phones. Um, Thursday, September 16th, Quiet Cannon Country Club in Montebello, California. Tom Loeffler putting on a show that is going to be broadcast on UFC Fight Past. Sergei Bohachuk, his second fight back after that bad loss in March, 154-pound contender. And Ali Akhmadev returning from his December 2020 loss, 168-pound contender, fighting. And then that is pretty much it for pro boxing this weekend. All right. The next fight worth a damn that we're going to talk about is next Saturday, September 25th, Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk, which is definitely going to happen. And I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for that fight. This Thursday, September 16th, I am fighting here in Atlanta. There are plenty of articles out there. I've been doing a lot of media work for, for this fight. Uh, probably a dozen or so interviews over the last couple of weeks uh, talking about why I'm I'm doing this fight. So I'm not going to get into all those details. I'll just tell you guys this. It's a, it's a charity event. Uh, The proceeds from this fight are going to a facility here in the Atlanta area that aids those suffering from mental health issues, drug addiction issues, alcoholism issues. Okay. And uh, these were the things that took my brother Anthony from me late last year. And I told myself at the beginning of this year that I was going to get in shape, clean myself up um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and do a fight somewhere, somehow, some way and dedicated to my brother. It just so happens that this event popped up and I got in touch with the the people that do it and the timing worked out for me. So I'm going to be fighting this Thursday's three round amateur fight, USA boxing sanctioned masters. Uh, Division, fight. Two hundred and ten pounds is my contracted weight. So I signed a contract that I would weigh two hundred and ten pounds, and I would be there this Thursday. Weigh in is Thursday morning. The fight starts. uh, Well, the fight card starts around five o'clock p.m. um, Eastern time. And I, I think I, uh, it's I think it's eleven fights. I I originally said it was nine, but I think it's eleven fights. They're all three rounds uh, on this card. I am the main event. Ha ha. I am the main event of the amateur show. So that's pretty cool. Um, And this fight will be streamed on the WBC network. The WBC started a channel, all right? And they are going to stream it on their channel. I want to uh, share with you guys real quick. Let me pull this up. Um, The, just the link. I'll I'll, I'll post it in a pinned comment here uh, on this video. And I'll share it on all my social so you guys can see it. But here we go. All right, make sure you guys can see this. Yes, you can. Okay. We got three days, one hour, and 10 minutes till this goes down. All right. And uh, hey, there's me. (laughs) Uh, So it's going to be the amateur show. And then there's going to be a pro show after it. So I am going to fight in the main event of the amateur show. Then I'm going to run back to the dressing room, take a shower, get changed, come out and do the commentary with Money Powell for the pro show. So it's going to be a very, very busy night for me. And um, it's going to be a good time, man. And here you go. If you want to buy the pay-per-view, it is $15. I think there's four or five pro fights and I want to say 11 amateur fights and 15 bucks, man. Now you guys will spend that probably on beer in your first 20 minutes of Friday night, wherever you go. So if you could drop 15 bucks to watch me fight live this Thursday, I would appreciate it because that money after we have to cover costs and everything, of course, there's a production cost associated with the pay-per-view, but that the proceeds from the pay-per-view along with the proceeds from the ticket sales are going to go to this facility. It's called the Ridgeview Institute. And um, the Brian Jordan Foundation is a a charitable group that works with the promoter that's doing this event. They hooked us up with this facility and we did a press conference Wednesday, September 1st. I met the folks from Ridgeview Institute, awesome people. And um, they're all in and they're so happy that we're doing this and and giving uh, money to them. They're going to be able to help people in the community. Like I said, people that are suffering from the same things that took my brother from me. So it's a personal cause, okay? Um, Here, let me drop the link in the chat because I see a few of you guys asking. There you go. I'm not sure if it will work like, I don't know if you guys can click on a link in the chat like that. Maybe you can, let me know if that works, okay? Um, But every little bit helps. And um, if you guys are interested in uh, just donating directly to, to the cause, I can give you a link for that, but you know, It'd be fun. I don't know a lot of people in Atlanta, so there's a handful of people that are going to be there in person watching me fight. But um, I know there's going to be my cheering section. Mostly is going to be on that stream. I'm going to hear you guys screaming through the stream. So uh, definitely, you know, check it out. Watch me fight. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, Chris is asking, do I have a song for my ring entrance? I'm still trying to figure that out, man. I don't know if I should just do like there's there's a couple of songs i like to work out to, and there's a couple of songs i like the lyrics uh because of what i'm doing um and then there's a couple like i thought about doing like a real italian thing and having like some italian music i listen to i don't know i'm still deciding i need to send that shit over to the dj though within the next 24 hours but uh sam is asking tell us how you're going to handle the day of the fight that's a good one sam i don't know man um We'll find out because it's coming. (laughs) There's no escape now. So um, I think, you know, I got to get up early because I got to get to Buckhead. That's where this uh, Buckhead Fight Club, that's the gym that is having the weigh-in at nine in the morning. So I got to get up and Tiffany and I, my wife and I are going to go to the weigh-in, get on the scale and then come back home. And then I'm going to eat some freaking pasta. She's going to make some pasta. I can't eat it right now. She's gonna make that. I'm gonna eat some pasta for lunch, probably for brunch and lunch. And then um I have to report to the venue at four thirty. The shitty part for me is again, I'm in the main event, so I gotta get there at four thirty, and I think that's when we do our medicals. Doors open at five. I wanna say the first fight goes pretty soon right after five. We already have our bout sheet, which you know, I, I guess I could tweet out the bout sheet. Um, but I gotta wait you know 11 fights before I can fight so i'm just going to be hanging out back there in the dressing room all night waiting to fight then like i said after i fight you know i have to mentally emotionally physically prepare for that then i have to be able to run back to the dressing room change and run back out there and do commentary and this isn't just commentary for the fun of it it's through the wbc channel so so like it's it's official live broadcast around the world commentary on a pro show. So I have to be prepared and still have the energy to do that. It takes, it takes a significant amount of energy to do that more than you think. So it's going to be, it's going to be a long draining day, but or night and day and night, but I think I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very, very excited about it. And mostly, you know, I'm excited because it's, um, I'm dedicating it to my brother. And I I made a commitment to myself and to him to do that, you know? So uh, it's, it's crazy that it's almost here. I got a little bit of nerves, but not that much. I really, really don't. I'm confident, man. I put in so much training, so much sparring. Good sparring too, man. Some hard. We had one session uh, last Thursday. We had another one Saturday, but we had a really hard spar Thursday. So much so that like my my chief sparring partner who's fighting in this event too. Uh his name is Joe Marie DeVero. He's fighting in this event too. Uh big guy. He's actually an Atlanta cop. He's about 10, 11 years younger than me and probably about 20, 30 pounds heavier. Um, so we had we were sparring hard, like fight ready, full con, just everything, just you know, full power. And our coaches were like, You guys are done. Stop. After I think, maybe four rounds stopped us and said, no more. You guys are there. Just hold that energy. You're good. And so that was a week, you know, well, that was last Thursday. So it was a week before the fight. We did a little light spar this Saturday for maybe like eight rounds or something. Um, in the in the actual size ring that we're going to have Thursday. Uh, like, I think it's going to be an 18 foot ring. Just to get, you know, some of the steps down and some of the the movement and spacing and all that. So I feel real good. I I went for a run yesterday, um, just a few miles. And after that I did some sprints, uphill sprints. There's like a, there's a, there's a hill in my neighborhood that is exactly a quarter mile long and it is about 150 feet up. It sucks. And I ran that shit at about a buck 40 after running a few miles. Right. So I'm there, man, I'm in shape. I'm good to go. Um, just need to, I'll probably go to the gym tomorrow and do very, very light work on the mitts, shadow boxing, footwork, bag work, uh, maybe some maze, maze bag work, you know, head movement and stuff. And then that's it, man. I rested today, no working out today and no working out tomorrow. But what I have been doing is a lot of interviews. And so that's that's taking a lot of my energy. So I'm probably not going to I'm going to try to do no more interviews until the fight, because that's one thing that I've learned the hard way or not the hard way. But um, it, it, it's something I didn't anticipate was how much work and how much energy the media part of all this is. I knew what to expect with the physical training because I've done that before. You know, I, I was an athlete when I was younger. I was in the Marine Corps. Th- that's that stuff. And I've I've boxed and trained for years, right? I just haven't put it all together consistently for something like this. So that hasn't been that big of a surprise. The biggest surprise for me has been the media part. I didn't think people would be that interested, but man, I've gotten a big response from this. It's been really, really cool, but I didn't anticipate it. It's like, man, you do two workouts in a day, you're watching your diet, you're cutting calories, you're cutting carbs, so you're hungry, so you're tired, you're sore, You know, your head hurts because you just got punched in the head. Uh, You're hungry, and then you got to put on a smile and do an interview for 45 minutes. You know, that's tough, man. And I just, I was very naive about how draining that could be. And uh, even doing my show has been tough sometimes. It really, really has been. Um, And so now it's given me a newfound respect for fighters who actually do the media stuff. Because some, a lot of fighters do the bare minimum. They show up at the press conference and give the same old canned response. And you guys know who those fighters are. But then there's some fighters that really do go above and beyond with the media stuff. And they really talk to you as a human being. And they, they're they available. You know, you can reach them. They're reachable. And their social media and stuff like that with the fans, with the media. That stuff takes a lot of energy, man. A lot of energy. So I just have a new final respect for those fighters who do that side of it. Um, it's, it's harder than it looks. It really, really is. And what I'm experiencing is a tiny fraction of what the real pros, you know, at the highest level go through. So as if I couldn't respect fighters more than I did before, this process has, um, it's been an eye-opening experience. It's been very educational and it's increased my respect for fighters tenfold. It really, really has. Um, so that and going into a fight with a few injuries, cause I'm not hundred percent, I'm going into this fight with several injuries. That's something I didn't anticipate. And it was actually my coach who, you know, we've been working through these injuries, you know, um, and he, and he told me, he goes, well, now you know how it feels to be a fighter. Every fighter goes into the ring with injuries. If, if he's over 25 years old, especially if he's over 30, he's going into the ring with injuries every single time. He goes, now you're a fighter. And I was like, oh, okay. It's kind of cool. You know, kind of a cool way to look at it. Anyway, guys, um, we had some calls, but because I talked so much, they gave up. So I guess we're going to drop off here, man. Uh, Right at an hour, I'm going to go take a walk because it's a rest day, but I'm going to actively rest and go walk a few miles and then eat dinner and then um, try to rest a few more days. And it's fight night. All right, guys, Um, I love you. I truly do. I appreciate the support. Check out the T-shirts, all right? Let me know if you want MOB tees. They're awesome. This new batch is awesome. And check out the pay-per-view. Watch me fight Thursday night. Support the event, all right? Even if you're rooting for me to lose and get knocked out in the first round, watch it anyway. Support the event because we're going to help people that need help, all right? I'll see you at the fights. My fight.